In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There are many elements during this pandemic where we're seeing accounts of people who are otherwise young and healthy, ill, or even dying. Now, by and large, these are in the minority, but still it creates a sense of wondering. Am I or someone I know next? In this past week, more commentators have thrown out the idea, which has in no way been yet proven, but something that perhaps this virus has been around in our country for longer, and many more people have already been infected. So there's no way of knowing. And that's always the thing about these things. We just don't know. And all around us, we're engulfed in uncertainty. Tonight is Monday, Thursday. It's the day when the Lord gave his bride, the church, the great gift of the Lord's Supper. It's the day our Lord was betrayed, handed over to earthly authorities to be crucified. And yet on this day, we see great certainty, great comfort that the Lord gives us in all of this because it's who he is for us in Christ. And the Lord's Supper, he gives us as he gives us in all of the means of grace, what he has accomplished as we are the beneficiaries of his life, death, and resurrection. And so it's a sad thing today, as we are unable to gather together on this night as God's people in one place. We mourn and we lament this fact that as God's people, we yearn for what God gives. We long to be in the place where he gives to us forgiveness, life, and salvation on this night that we celebrate this great gift. That's who we are as Christians. It's what we do. And in some ways, then, that reading from Exodus hits us in a way that we don't normally think of when we hear it on this day of Holy Week. God's people in that reading from Exodus were in their houses, and death was passing over their dwellings. How appropriate for us to be reminded of what God did for his people. Moses recorded for us, For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now, at this point, God's people had endured so much. And they were on the verge of being delivered from the hands of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. They had suffered greatly, and now the Lord was doing one final thing before they were to leave this place. God's judgment and wrath was all around them, against the false gods of the Egyptians. And here on this night, death was levied out against God's enemies. And on that night, young, old, man, beast, it did not matter. The Lord was powerfully working that night. He was the one going through and doing this very thing. And so every time we hear that, there's fear to be sure in all of this, as all what was going on that night. You know, every year on Palm Sunday or Easter Sunday thereabouts, it's tradition that one of the network stations plays the Ten Commandments. And if you remember in that movie, The Ten Commandments, they portray this with people huddled in their homes. And if you remember in the background, you can hear something in that movie. 
It's the screams of parents as they find their children dead or even their other loved ones. It's truly a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And God is the one who gives. God is the one who takes away. He shows mercy, but he is also the one who executes judgment. So what an image to hear, and rightly, to fear the Lord who does this. But we see something in all of this. In this night of death was God's Passover. God's people were passed over. So as they were in their homes, as they were being delivered, they clung to those promises that God made them. While people were dying outside in the land of Egypt, they sat and ate and were ready to go. And they were safe because God was faithful to what he had spoken to them. Because above their doorpost were the very thing which was being shed was blood. But for them, this was the mark of life. God showed them mercy and their households had life. And so, dear people of God who are gathered in your homes with so many images of suffering, death, and panic surrounding you, God's judgment against sin has not changed. So, too, and wonderfully, his faithfulness and mercy, they have not changed. And you have been marked with the sign of the crucified one, the spotless Lamb of God, and you have life. And so it's terrible that we can't be filling this place tonight, that we have to be in our homes. God's people in the Exodus reading were yearning for that day when they would be on their, in their own land and free to live as God's people, no longer slaves. And tonight we yearn and we long for that day when we can sit in the pews all together once again to hear God's word and receive his body and blood here at this altar that tonight stands bare. So hearing that, God calls you to be ready for that day. He teaches you to sit in your homes tonight, but be ready for the day when you are able to join together again. Jesus gave his church the word and sacraments, and this is how God's people are gathered together, enlightened and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. God's people are known and found around these means of grace. And so during this time, we realize that we are in exile. So don't grow complacent in this state, but watch these services. Read God's word with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget what the church is. Don't forget where the church is found. Don't grow apathetic toward what God has established. But instead, sit, gather, and be ready to go. And so there's a temptation for us to want to think that we can redefine or rework the church into something new, or rather something God has not created her to be. We see this night that Jesus intends for us to receive his sacrament. There's a command to take and eat and take and drink. And in that reading from 1 Corinthians 11, God reinforces this when he inspired St. Paul to write, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. God wanted the Corinthians. He wants you to receive what he has instituted and gives. And to reject and not receive those things is a serious thing. And so in times like this, we need to be reminded of that. And it's something that should be renewed in us, even to re realize how important these things really are and to not take them for granted. 
Maybe before this, something like coming to church, we didn't really think about or believed the lie that it's not needed. And now when we can't gather together, it's hitting us between the eyes. They're not neutral things, but they're of utmost importance. There's a reason why our Lutheran confessions talk in numerous places about this. And they talk about how if someone despises or willfully doesn't receive the Lord's Supper, he even goes so far as to say that person should not be considered a Christian. Because really he's despising Christ himself. There's a difference, though, than when someone who was unable to receive the Lord's Supper for a time, such as imprisonment, persecution, or other such things. Someone who was unable to examine himself because of an illness or is unconscious as they're dying is in no ways denying what God gives. He or she is simply unable to receive it. And when you study church history, it's full of examples, too, even on a large scale, where groups of people were affected, just varied the amounts of time, and there are instances of places in the world where people had to go without receiving Holy Communion for years or decades for one reason or another, such as there were no pastors available or whatever the case may be. Missionaries tell stories about this all the time. Even in Soviet, uh, during the time of Stalin in Russia, many people were confirmed and then they never received the Lord's Supper for many years because most of the pastors were killed. So they didn't try to rework things or invent new methods that go against the institution of Jesus. They knew they were in exile. The Lord's Supper is different than something like baptism, and there's never a case for an emergency communion that disregards the pastoral office, the pastoral care, and the examination that goes along with it, as opposed to somebody who is nearing death and any Christian can baptize an unbaptized person because we would rather see them be baptized rather than die without baptism. And so we hold God's institution and command in the highest regard, as St. Paul confesses in the second reading, that even he received it from the Lord and handed it over to the people. That's who he was as an apostle, as a pastor. So not being able to receive it on a day like today is different than not seeing a need to receive it or rejecting it. One is a tragedy that we're enduring and a cross to bear and that we're bearing together as the body of Christ. The other, the rejection, is a sin against God. And so God's people listened to him, and they were ready. They gathered in their homes and clung to his word, marked by the sign of blood, and were ready to go when the Lord delivered them. And so endure this night this time when so many things of death seem to be all around you. And don't lose heart and forget the promises that God has made to you. For you are baptized into Christ. And know that in him you don't stand under God's judgment. Know that there is a blood that covers you and a blood that gives you life. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from all sin. The blood which was shed for you on the cross. And this is the same blood that has covered you in the waters of your baptism and that Jesus gives out in the Lord's Supper. Now, unlike the blood of the Passover lamb in Exodus, these gifts that God gives you now are more than just signs pointing you to something else, but they're the very means by which God delivers to you Christ and his benefits. So as you endure during this time, bearing your crosses, cling to those promises of the one who endured the shame of the cross on your behalf even unto death. 
And so this is Monday, Thursday, like none of us most likely have ever seen, and Lord willing, we won't have to see again. But the Lord is still faithful, because he's the Lord who has redeemed his people. And death passed over them. And he led them through the wilderness, and he has redeemed you from sin, death, and the devil. And so tonight, God's word is yours, as you hear it proclaimed to you. You have the Lamb of God who has been sacrificed for you, the Lamb without spot or blemish. And so he is your eternal life in the midst of death. He is your meat and drink indeed who has poured out his blood as the offering for your sin. So rejoice this day that you have all of this and are God's people who have been called out of the darkness and have a special place in this world. Long for that day when you are gathered together again with all of your brothers and sisters in Christ, hearing his word in this place and kneeling before this altar. And know that God has not forsaken you. The mind of Christ this night, on that Monday, Thursday that we heard, was your salvation, as John recorded, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So what a joy to be covered in the blood of the Lamb and to receive from his gracious hand the bread of eternal life, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Passover Lamb, who has been sacrificed and baked in the oven of the cross so that now we are forgiven and have eternal life. Amen.